Xavier Reese reminds us of the importance of turning away from our sins and turning toward God. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the heart of the contrite one. God is looking for people who acknowledge their sins, see their evil, and cast themselves upon the mercy of God with a broken and contrite spirit. Nothing else will do. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How we respond to sin in our lives is a critical component to the Christian walk. King David recognized how he violated God's commands and repented for it. This serves as a powerful reminder for us today of how we should look at the iniquity in our own lives. And so in today's message, Pastor Xavier brings us this simple truth of finding restoration to God when we find ourselves separated by sin. Let's listen. Second Samuel chapter 24, we're going to look at verse 1 through 25, the entire chapter. And the message entitled, The Presumptuous Sin of David. And so the text before us is the pestilence brought about by the sins of David for numbering the people, and it unfolds for us in a threefold movement. Verse 1 through 9, you have the transgression of David by pride. In verse 10 through 17, you have the transgression of David, judged by God. And in 18 through 25, you have the transgression of David, forgiven by God. The declaration of judgment by God is given in verse 1. The people of Israel had sinned. It says, and again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. This implies a failure of the people. We're not given the failure, but this is missed often. We're going to see not only the people, but David. Most of the time we focus on David on this, and he has his part, and he has a great responsibility, but here also the people are included. Notice the transgression of David was against God in verse 2 and 3. David, through pride, wanted to assess the military might of his. Uh, we're going to see this very clear, that this was not something that kind of just happened, and David just kind of was ignorant. He was very aware of it. It says there in verse 2, So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, now go throughout all the tribe of Israel and Dan to Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. Verse 9 makes it very clear that the census was for assessing the military might, being able to have confidence in them, those bearing the sword. This was the context of the census. Psalm 9 says, some trust in horses, some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We used to sing that in the early 70s. Great song. See, chariots and horses demonstrated the power of your might to defeat the enemy. But it says, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, look at verse 3. Joab understood the sin against God. Now, Joab was a tough, rough guy. He was kind of a real funky kind of guy. And David had a hard time with him and his brothers. You sons of Zariah, you're too difficult for me to handle. But this time, Joab hits it right on the head. Joab told David in verse 3 there, the number of the people did not matter to God. Joab and the captains, they all said, David, don't do this. He abuses authority as king, ignoring the consequences. Verse 4 still says, Therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out from the presence of the king to count 
the people of Israel. The words of David were an abomination to Joab, it says, 1 Chronicles 21.6. Wow, what a reversal. And this is towards the end of David's life. Now, the number one sin mentioned in the Bible often is pride. This is the heart of sin. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Listen. These six things the Lord Yahweh hates. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. There's the first one. Pride. The transgression of David by pride was a mistake. Notice the second movement is the transgression of David, judged by God, 10 through 17. In verse 10, the contrition of David is given to us. Conviction fell on David, and David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. But it's been quite a while. Confession came from David. So David said to the Lord, Yahweh, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. That's, that's the good beginning point. Once you acknowledge it, then there must be confession. Just to acknowledge it doesn't mean anything. You acknowledge it, you confess it. And then this humble attitude is marked there, for I have done very foolishly. We abase ourselves before God. Verse 11, the revelation to the prophet by God is given. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad. God's at work at both ends. God was David's seer, if you remember. It was Nathan, then the seer came in 1 Samuel 22, 5. God went there in the stronghold when David was running from Saul. He was sent to offer David a choice of judgment. I offer you three things. Choose one of them for yourself that I may do it to you. Interesting way to bring discipline. Look at 13. The propositions of the prophet of of God to David are given. The first, so God came to David and told him and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? The second, or shall you flee three months from before your enemies while they pursue you? This would place the people at the vengeance of the enemy. David would be more protected being king. The third, or shall there be three days plague in your land? This would be the shortest, but this would also expose David to the same danger as the people. And so the exhortation by God to David through the prophet was to consider well his choices. Listen to the words. Now consider and see what answer I should take back to him, meaning God, who sent me. To reflect on his decision-making that got him in trouble in the first place. Consider well. He was to consider the people. He didn't the first time. He was to consider the people. Now look at 14. The decision of David was to trust in the direct hand of God on him rather than man. That's always a good choice. David spoke forth his choice. And David said to Gad, the prophet, I am in a great distress, and rightly so. Please let us fall, us. He sees the guilt of both, but he bears his own responsibility. 
into the hands of the Lord Yahweh, for his mercies are great, but do not let me fall into the hands of man. He cast himself upon the mercies of God, which are great and new every morning. Mercy is less than we deserve. Grace is what we don't deserve. Law is exactly what we deserve. God honors David's choice in 15. So the Lord Yahweh sent a plague upon Israel from the morning till the appointed time from Dan to Beersheba. 70,000 men of the people died. A lot of people. Now, the phrase people is the same word as men earlier in 9 and throughout the chapter. So it's believed that the word here for men is indicative of the fighting men that the census was taken. And there were 70,000 of the fighting men, and that's the whole context of the chapter, not innocent individuals. You understand? And it makes all the perfect sense. Now, verse 15, God was merciful to David. When the angel stretched out his hand over Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord Yahweh relented from the destruction and said to the angel who was destroying the people, it is enough, now restrain your hand. Now here we have a word that again we have a seeming contradiction, a problem with God. The word relent. It's usually translated repent. It's used for man for his change of mind from evil or sin. To repent. We were talking about this and it's the principle of our relationship with God. But we know that Numbers 23, 19 says that God's not a man that he should repent. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? So in other words, God cannot repent, nor does he need to repent because he knows all things and he's perfect in judgment, so he would never change his mind on anything. And when it seems that he changed his mind, he didn't. It's what he always wanted to do. So we're using human terms that describe human actions and attitudes, and we're ascribing them to God to get an idea of what's happening. And the use of the word when it comes to God really describes the deep grief and sorrow of God over the sin and evil of man. It grieves him. It sorrows him. He always knew he was going to be merciful to David, but he was looking for the heart of repentance of David also. You understand? When God tests us, it's not that he know what we're going to do. It's that we may know where we're at. You understand? Therefore, God acted in mercy. And the angel of the Lord here is Jesus Christ. The term is found throughout the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, many other places, when the angel of the Lord speaks of the appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. Now look at 17. The manifestation of the heart of the shepherd David is revealed here. David saw the people suffer because of him. Then David spoke to the Lord Yahweh when he saw the angel who was striking the people. So David visibly saw what his sin had done to the people. It's one thing when we analyze sin intellectually. Sin is so neat and packaged when we analyze the information. What if I do this? I'll do that. And if they do that and I'll do that, and it'll be great and I'll get it. Ooh, ooh, okay. But once you're committed to sin practically and emotionally, it's a mess. David felt compassion for the people. But God was just in the execution of the people also because they're also at fault, right? We're moved emotionally. There's a greater guilt because he knows he's the leader. And David asked the Lord to judge him alone. In 17, David confirms his own guilt and says, Surely I have sinned. I have done wickedly. 
And then David reaffirms his love for his people. But these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray, be against me and against my father's house. The heart of David. But the people were guilty also. But he senses the guilt more because he knows he is the leader. No contradiction. The judgment of the flood so often is found as injustice by God if God did that. People who are humanists, people who are evolutionists, atheists, agnostics, and every other label they want to claim for themselves apart from being a believer. And yet, all were deserving of that judgment. Only eight repented and entered the ark. When God judges, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. The most important thing that God is looking for is repentance, ladies and gentlemen. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9 says. 1 Timothy 4, 12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believer in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity in every way. One step at a time, one day at a time, one decision at a time. The transgression of David, judged by God, was just. Absolutely just. The third movement is found in 18 through 25. The transgression of David was forgiven by God. Verse 18 and 19, David was commanded to offer sacrifice to God by Gad the prophet. Gad stated the location. He came the day to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord Yahweh on the threshing floor of Orana, the Jebusite. Don't get confused by the names. They're the two. One's the title, another one's the name. The very site where Abraham built the altar to offer Isaac, by the way, in Genesis 22, verse 2 and 14. Same place. The very same place where God would have Solomon build the temple. Mount Moriah, 1 Chronicles 3.1. And as you know, David set all the wealth and all the materials, the majority of it, and had his son build the temple. But he made all the preparations, the priestly order, everything else. Now notice 19, David complied. So David, according to the word of God, went up to the Lord Yahweh as he had commanded. Back on track. You've given me an order. I'm obeying it. Back on track. Again, the tabernacle was located in Shiloh at the beginning, as we saw in 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Right now, it's up in Gibeah, as 1 Chronicles 16 tells us in 21. But here now, God, as he's forgiving, he uses the wrath of man to glorify himself, and he would build the temple of God on the very site where the sacrifice was given to forgive the pestilence. Because God's a God of forgiveness, you see? That's what the temple was for. And in Deuteronomy, it says that when he put them in captivity, they would pray towards the temple and say, Lord, you know, hear our prayers. When we turn, forgive us our sin. You see, Christianity is the only only relationship that offers forgiveness and has a basis to back it up. No other religion offers forgiveness. 
with Scripture to back it up. We have the Son, Jesus Christ, who paid the price for us. Buddhism doesn't offer forgiveness. And any other religion that offers it, they don't offer it through Jesus Christ. It's not acceptable by God. Only Christianity can offer true forgiveness. Now notice David went to speak to Arana now, verse 20 through 22. The attitude of Arana towards David is interesting. He honors King David here. Now Arana um, looked and he saw the king and his servants coming towards him. And so Arana went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground, reverence and respect. And Arana asked the purpose of David's coming. Again, still in humility. Arana said, why has my lord, the king, come to hear his servant? He said, well, what are you doing here? You're, we're, we're in trouble because of you. What do you want on my property? Get out of my property. <laughs> wow. The dialogue between David and Arana is interesting. Verse 21, the middle, down to 22. David stated the purpose of his coming was to have God ward off the plague. He said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord Yahweh, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Orana is one of the people. He is subject to this plague. He wants it gone too. And so Orana stated David could have all he needed. I mean, this is how critical and urgent. He says, now Orana said to David, let my lord the king take Offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here's the ox for burnt sacrifice, the threshing implements, and the yoke of the ox. And would just take it, just go to the Lord. Let's get rid of this thing. <laughs> then David interceded for Israel, and he restores fellowship with God. David, a type of Jesus Christ. David, a type of Christ, the ultimate priest. In verse 23, Iran expresses his kindness and desire for David's success. All these, O king, Arana has given to the king. And Arana said to the king, May the Lord Yahweh your God accept you. The test is going to come as David goes. And God alone sees if the heart is genuine, really repentant. And if it is, the sacrifice is offered. If the heart is not genuine, the sacrifice is rejected. You understand? Hmm. Verse 24, David expressed his personal responsibility and love for God. His personal responsibility to God. Then the king said to Rana, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. He was give, here, have it all free. No, I'll buy it for a price. David bought the entire threshing floor, we are told in First Chronicles 21, 25. Notice his personal love for God. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord Yahweh my God with that which costs me nothing. Underline cost me. David was buying this of his own money by the fact that he's saying cost me. His purchase price is given. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. First Chronicles 21, 25 gives a different amount and without doubt, again, it includes other things or whatever it is. It's supplementary, not contradictory. And then in 25, David sacrificed to God. David offered two offerings for dedication and for fellowship. 
David built there an altar to the Lord Yahweh and offered a burnt offering, dedication and consecration. He's dedicating his heart, heart back to God. He's back on track, completely burned on the altar. And then peace offering. He would offer the offering, he would eat part of that offering, and the rest would be offered to God. Fellowship, he's right. That vertical axis is reestablished again. As a representative of the people of God, then that part passed over to the people because he was a representative. And David was honored by God. It says, So the Lord Yahweh heeded the prayers of the land, and the plague was withdrawn from Israel. So the plague that came upon him was justified. It was right. It was brought about by the people and David. And there had to be repentance and approach to sacrifice to be forgiven. God told Cain repentance was God's way of dealing with man. Listen. Genesis 4, 7. And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Sin is like a ravenous beast ready to leap upon you, Cain. If you don't repent, it'll tear you up. But if you repent, you find the way out. Wow. Cain didn't take it, as you know. It's always a choice, ladies and gentlemen, whether we repent or not. We can't blame others. We can't blame God. The only thing that will remedy our relationship with God and do away with the consequence of sin, I hate to be repetitive, is repentance. Psalm 51, 17, as David wrote, remember when he fell with Bathsheba, he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken, a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. God is looking for people who acknowledge their sins, see their evil, and look to God and cast themselves upon the mercy of God with a broken and contrite spirit. Nothing else will do. Samuel said, Has the Lord Yahweh great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obedience in the voice of the Lord Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's an incredible statement. And stubbornness is as iniquity of idolatry. When a believer disobeys God and rebels against it, it's like obeying the spirit of Satan and a complete worship of of someone else apart from God. Wow. The acceptance of anything we do is based upon the person of Jesus Christ. He's the final sacrifice. He's the final high priest. David is a type of all this. The transgression of David was forgiven by God through genuine repentance. It wasn't just a sacrifice. A sacrifice is effective if the heart is genuine. Very important. And so the pestilence brought about by the sin of David unfolded for us here in this threefold movement. The transgression of David by pride was a mistake. The transgression of David judged by God was just. And the transgression of David forgiven by God was through genuine repentance. Wow. The book ends with simple, simple principles that keep us on track. He's old now. 
He still blew it. Let's learn that simple lesson. Pastor Xavier Reese wraps up our study series of the book of 2 Samuel today by reminding us of the importance of genuine repentance. And today's message, drawn from 2 Samuel chapter 24, has been given the title, The Presumptuous Sin of David, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. And by the way, this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The Presumptuous Sin of David, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 800- 926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com